Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. I have to check myself what day is it? It's Wednesday here at the Peristyle Podcast and here for everyone. I hope you have been enjoying all the podcasts we've been putting up, all the shows. Of course, the crazy news, USC hired Oklahoma head, co- head coach Lincoln Riley. And we want to get a recruiting reaction of what's going on in the recruiting landscape. we got Gerard Martinez uh, doing a great job covering the Trojans since, I don't know, for quite a while. Uh more than 15 years for sure. Been part of uscfootball.com, our national recruiting analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at gmartlive, and he posts all kinds of stuff over on the P. Um, if you're not a member, $1 for your first month. Get over there and join. If you're not a member, you've been listening to the podcast, Gerard drops some amazing recruiting knowledge over there for a buck. Get in there for your first month, and there's gonna be it's going to be a crazy two weeks, so just one dollar, you can get all the information that we're putting up on the site. So if you're not a member, just stop the podcast right now. Go log into usafootball.com, put down your credit card for one buck, and you can read everything that Gerard and the rest of the team is putting up. But Gerard, how you doing, sir? Everything good? Good. Uh, not a lot of sleep, but it's a good thing. A lot of adrenaline, and it feels like uh, we're reporting on recruiting and people are actually interested in it. I don't think that's been the case for probably the last three years. So it's good to report and write on things that people actually want to read. 100%. It's been invigorating for all of us, uh, just knowing uh, not just that Clay Hilton's gone, but that USC actually went out and hired an amazing head coach, and the fans are excited, and we're excited, and we're excited that everything we write and all the content we put up, people are going to not just say, well, Clay Hilton's still the head coach, and now it matters. And I think you're going to see recruiting get back to the way it was uh, when you know Pete Carroll was rolling, and that's why we're going to get Gerard Martinez on because he knows more about USC recruiting than anybody. So we've got a lot of topics to get to, so I want to jump right into it. Uh, before I do, thank you to Trader Joe's. They've been a great sponsor for us uh, over the years, and uh, it's holiday season. Uh, hopefully you got your turkey and everything for Thanksgiving, but check out TraderJoe's.com. Tons of cool recipes, tons of ideas for the holidays if you've got people over. Uh, one I just caught, peppermint s'mores cake. Um, they look really good. Real simple to make. Takes about an hour or so, and they serve about 12 people. But essentially, you got these graham crackers, some sugar, butter, eggs, water, um, and your peppermint loaf and baking mix, and then these little mini marshmallows you put on top. They look great. So check it out on the site, um, peppermint s'mores cake. I love going over to TraderJoe's.com and picking out some recipes and, and making stuff, especially you can have people over. Uh, these great little finger foods or desserts or things like that. I, I gravitate more towards desserts. Uh, you're not as big of a dessert guy as I am, right, Gerard? I don't know if I'm as big as you are into desserts, but I do love pastries. Like, okay. I am. That is one of my one vice is, you know, homemade chocolate chip cookies and that kind of stuff. You know, don't gamble. Don't womanize. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. <laughs> but, damn, homemade chocolate chip cookies, man. <laughs> I love the pastries in the bakery section. Yeah, that's a good advice to have. That's not too bad. Uh, but thanks again to Trader Joe's. And don't forget, uh, first month for a buck. Make sure you go over to uscfootball.com. Okay, so we did have some uh, uh, breaking news 
with uh, USC's class of 2023. We're mostly going to focus on 2022 because there's two weeks left until the early signing period on December 15th. But you hire Lincoln Riley to be the head coach. He happens to have, there's a trio of uh, blue, blue chip prospects at Los Alamitos High School right here in Southern California. One of them being Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback, uh, I think number two player in the country. He decommits from Oklahoma and soon after commits to USC. So it didn't take long for Lincoln, Lincoln Riley to make an impact on USC football recruiting, Gerard. Yeah, and you saw that one coming a mile away. Uh, Malachi Nelson was very, very high on USC for a long time, and he was going to be the only quarterback that USC offered a scholarship in the 2023 class. And then they decided to offer another quarterback in the 2023 class, and it totally changed things. And it made Malachi Nelson feel like he couldn't necessarily trust Clay Helton and the USC coaching staff. And that gave Oklahoma a great in. And they already had great traction in his recruitment. I think that Malachi Nelson really liked the quarterback development that Lincoln Riley had displayed over the number of years. I mean, he's had Heisman Trophy winners. Obviously, that Oklahoma offense has been much, much more productive than the USC offense, which has seen different coordinators and different types of schemes come and go. And so Oklahoma was already in a very good place, and they might have gotten his commitment anyways, but that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back, and he ends up commits to Oklahoma. But now that you have Lincoln Riley in with USC, it sort of is synergistic where you have the location, the academics, and the local support mixed with having a head coach who's also a great developer of quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, what is the impact of Amalekai Nelson? We're going to get into 2022 stuff, but um, he's someone that's recruiting himself. Uh, usually when you get a, you know, I think Miller Moss was a great recruiter when he came in as part of that class, uh, been there for a while. You're going to have a whole year of, of Nelson being uh, committed to USC unless something changes on that front. I mean, it seems like that would have a big impact on the entire 2023 class. It's going to have a huge impact. In fact, the 2023 class is really where you're going to see the most energy with that OU staff, the winning pedigree that they bring in combined with the location and everything that USC has to offer. You have so many local kids that just want to have USC as a good option. You hear it so much where USC is in the top five. They might even be in the top three. But when you had Clay Helton there and you had the lack of player development, the lack of competing for real championships, playing in big games and being competitive, local kids just, you know, they want to get to the NFL. They want to win a national championship. They want to have a lot of success. And when you take those factors away from the decision, you know, the academics is great. The networking at USC is great. Uh, the location is obviously amazing. But football is a big part of the decision. It's not the only part of the decision, but it's a huge part of the decision. And when you know that part is sort of handicapped to the school you're going to, it really hurts you. And that's why you see this mass exodus of top talent from Southern California and California in general. And this is not something that we haven't seen before. As I've said before, going back to the late 90s, you saw this before Pete Carroll came to USC. So now you have another established, proven winner as a head coach, and there's obviously very high expectations. 
that in and of itself is going to bring a lot of players to Southern California. And I think that 2023 class is where you're going to see it the most. Makai Lemon, the five-star athlete, 5'11", 175 pounds, the teammate of Malachi Nelson, is probably going to follow suit and commit to USC. He's the number one athlete rated nationally in the 2023 class. Tryon Webb, a six-foot 185-pound running back from Florida is a guy that was committed to Oklahoma. He's probably going to look at USC very, very hard. It's going to be cross-country. You're going to have Georgia. You're going to have Florida. You're going to have a lot of schools out there recruiting him. But he has a great relationship with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley himself is one of those head coaches that was very involved in the recruiting process and certainly on the offensive side of the ball. So he's still going to have a lot of pull with some of these players. uh, Zachariah Branch the younger brother of Zion Branch, who's a 2022 four-star safety prospect out of Bishop Gorman. Zachariah is the younger brother who's a track star, who really likes USC. His brother loves USC, but that OU offense was a big pull for him. Really, I think Oklahoma was an option for Zion Branch, mainly because they knew that for Zachariah, that offense was going to be a big player, and it was something that was really a draw to them. Now, you basically, and again, this is the synergy, you have the great offense, you have the great offensive mind, and then you combine it with everything else that USC already had. Zion Branch pretty much is down to Oklahoma, or excuse me, Ohio State and USC. So, you have to consider... Everything that USC has gone through, the absolute disastrous season that they've had, firing their head coach, everything that's gone on, but Zion Branch is still hanging in there with USC. That's a kid that wants to go to USC, right? That's a kid that you can see between the lines. His parents are probably very comfortable with the academics and the networking USC, the NLI branding at USC has. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of boxes that USC checks, but at the end of the day, you know, you're comparing to Ohio State, which clearly from an NFL draft pick standpoint and a player development standpoint has been much more successful. But now you bring in Lincoln Riley and you bring in his staff and you bring in, you know, just a completely different system and there's a lot more promise there. So now, you know, you not only have a great option for Zion, but you have a great option for Zachariah. Uh, DeAndre Moore, who's another Los Alamitos kid, He's going to really look at USC very hard because now you've got Malachi Nelson there, and that's his teammate, and obviously they have a connection there being at the same school. Brandon Innes, there's a kid that was committed to Oklahoma, another Florida kid from across the way, a five-star level guy that's going to look at USC now because he was committed to Oklahoma and he has that relationship with Lincoln Riley. Uh, Mateo Ungulele down there at uh, St. John Bosco, big-time player Trey Edwards, uh, the top linebacker in California out of San Diego. He likes USC a lot, already likes USC a lot. If USC can win some games, you're probably going to be able to get Trey Edwards, Roderick Pleasant, another big-time track guy, defensive back out of Sarah High School in Gardena. Likes USC a lot, but was very wary of the coaching situation and the development of the players. Now they're going to have a little more promise there, and we're going to see what happens on the defensive side of the ball. That sort of is, is in flux in terms of the coaching staff and who everybody is going to be brought in by Lincoln Riley. I mean, he has sort of a, a, a pulled-together staff right now, and we don't know all the names, and obviously those position coaches are going to impact the recruiting process, uh, but you have guys like that, R.J. Jones, Christian Pierce, a big-time safety prospect out of Ranch Cucamonga High School, four-star, a guy that I've seen a couple times play in person. He's going to be a big-time player, and I think I said uh, to the Paris style, talking about him, 
this is the kind of kid that goes to Oklahoma or goes to Ohio State because they're going to offer him and they're going to recruit him hard, and USC is going to be there, but USC is just not going to be involved enough, and they're not going to be on top of it, and he's going to end up slipping away. Now I see him definitely looking at USC, and I think there's a great shot that they're going to be able to get Christian Pierce. Jadon Wayne, who's a defensive end, another five-star level guy from Washington, they'll be involved with him. Deuce Robinson, who unofficially visited USC this season, that's a kid 6'6", you know, 225, 230-pound tight end who's the best tight end in the nation, a guy that was leaning towards Oklahoma before all of this happened. And obviously likes USC, likes location, closer to home. Now you combine that with having this dynamic offense. And so I think with the 2023 class, that's where you're really going to see USC potentially put together sort of a, a landmark class, a monumental class. They're going to be in it number one in the nation, if obviously the product on the field shows promise. And there's going to be that question of how many games do USC have to win, so on and so forth. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to talk about that. You know, I think we're all just even as a staff sort of processing um, what's happening right now. Right, What's happening right now is the 2022 class. So, you know, we can see 2023 has the potential to be absolutely ridiculous, they're still trying to put together this 2022 class, which just a few weeks ago we were talking about, are they even going to try to salvage this recruiting cycle? So that's what we got to talk about next, because there are two weeks left uh, in this early recruiting window. And the fact that USC was able to get a guy like Lincoln Riley, and we, we talked about this before, there was only a couple names that could have moved the needle for the class of 2022. We talked about salvaging, uh, keeping the class together, maybe you know, adding a few pieces. Now it looks like they're going to try to rip it down to the studs and, and build it back up. Um, but this is a two-week window that's really important. We've seen some decommitments on the USC side. Uh, there's going to be a big official visit weekend I think we can talk about a little bit later on. But, I mean, how important is this two-week window, Gerard? And it, it just seems like Lincoln Riley was one of the few coaches that could come in has recruited this area well and can instantly, you know, instantly has relationships with these guys and could potentially turn a class right now. USC's class, I think, is ranked 91st in the country, 11th in the Pac-12, only five commitments. Um, I mean, this is a class that could move up, you know, the, to move up into the top 20, top 10, I would think, if uh, he gets a bunch of the guys that he's capable of getting. Potentially, yes. And, you know, we have to sort of taper expectations because there is really only two weeks left. And we're going to see, I have a feeling they're going to have some official visits this weekend. At minimum, they will have uh, some unofficial visits from local players. And I think they're going to want to make that push uh, with certain guys. Obviously, the current staff, as it is the staff that's actually coaching the players and going up to Berkeley, they will do that. But you're going to have Lincoln Riley, you're going to have Alex Grinch, you're going to have um, Dennis Simmons and some of those guys that are sort of that, you know, hodgepodge put together staff from OU on campus and, and they have to use this weekend to get some recruiting done. And obviously you're going to have a mega, mega recruiting weekend December 10th. Uh, we already have some guys that are signed up for that. We're trying to confirm some more names, but I know Zion Branch just locked in his second official visit to USC for that weekend. And Zion Branch was actually just on campus, uh, I believe, for the UCLA game and has been on campus uh, like two or three times before that, was on campus, I think, two or three times during the summer. Again, when you're talking about Zion Branch, you're talking about a guy that's 
been to USC more than a lot of the commits have. And that's a season and a year where USC is really down. So you have to like USC's chances with Zion Branch and his younger brother, Zachariah Branch. USC is actually going out and they're going to visit Devin Brown, which I think in and of itself is very interesting. We talked about Devin Brown a little bit on the Tunnel Live show, and he's decommitted from USC, was committed for a long time, has a really good relationship with uh, Seth Dahey and Graham Harrell. But I kind of question whether Devin Brown really fit from a schematic standpoint for Lincoln Riley, who's definitely gone more towards the mobile quarterbacks and the quarterbacks that can run over the years. Uh, Devin Brown isn't really that guy. I mean, he's not immobile, but he's not necessarily a guy that you're going to run the ball with by design. But this is Lincoln Riley. He's confident. He feels probably he can build around certain prospects. And so stylistically, at Southern California, California, you're going to be in it for the top three quarterbacks year in and year out. This is the big difference between Oklahoma and many other jobs is that the most important position on the field, you're going to be involved with that guy just by default right out of the gates every year. So being the head coach at USC, he may feel more confident, like I don't need to actually go and try to recruit scheme. I'm going to have enough options available to me at the quarterback position on the recruiting trail that I can just basically build around the top player, regardless of what he is stylistically, just by his arm, by his decision-making, by his accuracy, so on and so forth. I'm really looking for what the best passer is available. And so he's going to be able to get that annually. So he's going out to see Devin Brown, which I think says a lot. Uh, they've already had an in-home visit with Raleigh Brown, the 5'10", 180-85-pound running back that's still committed to Oklahoma, the five-star out of modern day. A lot of people feel like that's just an eventual flip that USC is going to get him. Another kid that's been to USC several times and given USC a very hard look despite just the atrocious play on the field. And so now you're bringing in the staff that he committed to at Oklahoma on top of the logistics and the, the factor that you're going to be able to play home and play close to your family, I think is a big deal. They're going to go after Javante Barnes, the big four-star running back out of Las Vegas. That's going to be a tougher pull for them because you've got DeMarco Murray still on the OU staff. I don't think DeMarco Murray is going to come to USC. I think he's staying at Oklahoma. He's a guy that played Oklahoma. He's a alum and is sort of an Oklahoma legend of sorts. And he's a former Bishop Gorman player, so he's a Vegas guy. So I think that's going to be a little tougher, but USC is going to have much more traction, and they're probably going to be able to get Javante Barnes on campus, if not this weekend, the next weekend. And I think that's going to be a big deal. They'll have a legitimate shot at him. Where they go from that in terms of other options is still a little up in the air. Jaden Ott is a guy that got a scholarship offer from USC when Dante Williams took over as interim coach. He was not offered by Oklahoma, was not recruited by Oklahoma, and a lot of these kids that were not recruited by Oklahoma, even the commits, were seeing Oklahoma or were seeing the old Oklahoma staff basically go in a different direction from those guys. So from an evaluation standpoint, it seems like the guys that didn't have the Oklahoma offers are the guys that they are definitely more wary of in terms of bringing into the class. Having said that, C.J. Williams did not have a scholarship offer from, US, or from Oklahoma, uh, but he did have a scholarship offer from USC and was seriously looking at USC. He's the 6'1", 190-pound, almost 200-pound. He's a big strapping kid at this point uh, from modern day, four-star, 
a big-time player committed to Notre Dame, but obviously there's a lot going on at Notre Dame. And so I think even if Brian Kelly stayed at Notre Dame and there was some stability at Notre Dame, C.J. Williams is still going to give USC a very, very hard look because of Dennis Simmons, Dennis Simmons excuse me, and Lincoln Riley. I think just the offense and everything that comes with that, I think he's definitely going to be uh, seriously looking at USC. I don't want to say it's a slam dunk knock. I don't think it's quite the done deal that maybe Relique Brown is, but I think he's definitely looking at USC seriously. He may have some hesitation because uh, Oklahoma did not recruit him and did not offer him a scholarship. But we talked a little bit about this before on the board and on tunnel and I know radio I think with Oklahoma and their offense and being able to get as many receivers as they did in the past, they didn't necessarily have to go into Southern California and go after a kid that, I mean, certainly I think USC was looked at as a favorite early on. And then there was a bunch of other schools that were at the top of the list for CJ Williams. You don't have to spin your wheels on that guy. If you're Oklahoma, Oklahoma had Luther burden, the number one wide receiver in the country for the 2022 class committed for a long time, and it was, I think, August of this year where he decommit, and now he's recommitted to Missouri. It's going to be interesting to see if Lincoln Riley doesn't reach out to him. I think him committing to Missouri kind of says, okay, I want to stay closer to home. However, I read a quote from one of his coaches at East St. Louis where he talked a little bit about how much he loved Oklahoma. He loved Lincoln Riley, quote-unquote. I think he really <laughs> likes Lincoln Riley, but then the coach says, actually, no, he loves Lincoln Riley. And the issue with Oklahoma, according to this coach, was diversity. And it just wasn't quite like what he's used to around St. Louis. And he marked uh, Georgia as a school that he just felt a little more comfortable with because it was closer to Atlanta. He ends up committing to Missouri. We're going to have to see. If that was a main factor, you don't get any more diverse than Los Angeles. And this is a kid that actually came out here and played against St. John Bosco and had a really great game. Luther Brown and that St. Louis team actually played here in Southern California. Chris Trevino, our staff writer, went to that game, covered that game, and I said, hey, give Luther Brown – just a, just a little chat up and see if he you know, has any interest in USC. Maybe he takes an unofficial visit to USC. Sounded like USC was not even really in communication with them at that point. So now it's a totally different thing. Obviously, it's last minute, but that's, I'm a little more intrigued by that than I was before because I didn't know the backstory to Luther Burden's uh, recruitment and why he decommitted from Oklahoma and why he decided to stay closer to home. But when you see that, you say, okay, well, maybe – uh, that's one of those recruitments that you kind of kick the tires if you're Lincoln Riley and if you can get him on campus. That would be a, a, a crazy sort of out-of-left-field thing. But you know what? A lot of these names are sort of out-of-left-field at this point because USC's recruiting had become so malaise. It had become so much just like we're going to go to Texas. We're going to go find some three stars. We're going to go try to recruit the local players. They're going to turn us down. And it just there was not these national names that we're used to covering as uscfootball.com, you know, in Pete Carroll years, you know, they go into Florida, they go into Texas, and USC was already, like, in that top five. You know, they were involved. Now, you know, with a lot of these kids, it's like, okay, USC has no shot at those kids. So we're going to see how that shakes out. Another kid who's committed at the wide receiver position to Oklahoma right now, Nick Anderson, out of Katy, Texas, he took an official visit to USC in June and ended up committing to Oregon, but then decommitted from Oregon and commit to OU. Now, his 
cousin or his uncle or his, I think his brother maybe actually went to Oklahoma. So there might be some still connection to Oklahoma, but I know he was actually a kid that USC was pretty high on, and he liked USC a lot, but obviously the receiver position, USC just wasn't doing a very good job recruiting. They had no traction with any of these top guys. Now you have potential with you know Lincoln Riley having that kid committed that now you can look at USC again. Maybe he takes a second official visit to USC again. I have yet to confirm that. Um, I think offensive line has is, is been something that we've talked about a long time on this podcast, and I know the peristyle has been pounding the table for some offensive linemen, and it's been really three cycles since USC has gotten an offensive lineman that had the potential to be an immediate impact player. And so now you've got really four guys on the table that USC has some potential with. I think the first that comes to mind is Josh Connerly Jr., the four-star offensive tackle from Rainer Beach, uh, Washington. Uh, he's a guy that has the potential to come in and play as a true freshman and as a legit offensive tackle prospect, which is very, very important. He's a guy that's got the size at 6'6", and he's got the length and the wingspan to be able to play left tackle, and that's what USC really just doesn't have on the roster. A ready-go guy you can plug in and can play right away, and they haven't had that in the last three cycles. Devon Campbell, the five-star, um, rated as an interior offensive lineman. USC's actually recruited him as an offensive tackle, a kid that was here on an official visit in June. His family absolutely loved USC, loves USC still. He came back on his birthday weekend for an unofficial visit on his own dime and watched USC probably get crushed by somebody, but he watched USC, <laughs> and that still you know, shows you the interest level and the sort of, you know, all of those boxes that get checked. It was everything but just the football aspect. So a lot of people have him written off to Texas. Not so fast, my friend. I mean, I think USC still has a legitimate shot. Talked to somebody close to him that said the hiring of Lincoln Riley to USC was quote-unquote wonderful. So we'll see how that goes. Ernest Green, St. John Bosco kid, four-star, really the top offensive lineman uh, in California, a guy that's now going to look at USC and probably be back on campus and has a great relationship with Bill Bendenbaugh. Now, Bill Bendenbaugh is not officially on the USC coaching staff yet, but we expect him to come over from Oklahoma. And this is a reason why, again, there's overlap and USC has a chance at these offensive linemen is because they really liked the offensive line coach at Oklahoma. But there was other aspects of Oklahoma maybe they didn't like. But those aspects maybe overlap with USC, and now all of a sudden you have that synergy, and they're going to look at USC harder. Defensive line, Hero Canoe, that's a big-time player that was favoring Oklahoma and Ohio State late in the process. He basically written off USC, but his host family, he's originally from Germany, loves USC. They kind of knew what USC was about, I think, specifically. And we've talked about Hero Canoe in the past. they followed USC football, probably on the peristyle, and knew what Clay Helton was about and sort of knew the direction of the football program. And I think, you know, people say, well, they're really big Trojan fans. That's great for USC. Not really. It's like there was that sort of line of the casual football fan that says, oh, USC, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Pete Carroll. Wow, they're so great at football. And, they've, you know, they've had great football teams over the years, but not really – 
hardcore enough to really pay attention to what's happening now with the team. And I think they were hardcore enough that they knew, yeah, the direction of the football team is not really good right now. We all love USC, but you need to go to a school that actually plays football and actually produces guys to the NFL. So that's where you get Oklahoma and you get uh, Ohio State and these other schools that he visited. Now, USC is back in the mix because USC has the potential with that coaching staff to get back to the USC of old and actually get guys developed so they're going to be you know okay for the NFL draft. So, you know, Hero Canoe becomes a guy that's on the radar again. Uh, Jeffrey Emba, the number one uh, defensive tackle, uh, Juco in the nation. Now, the interesting thing about Jeffrey Emba is that he has a very good relationship with Vic Soto. He was committed out of high school to go to Virginia when Vic Saoto was there. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic. We don't know if Vic Saoto is going to be retained as a defensive line coach at USC. Um, it kind of sounds like they're not going to retain any of those coaches, but that's not been made official yet. Uh, Emba did take an unofficial visit to Oklahoma just a couple weeks ago, though. So he was also looking at Oklahoma. The question is, when it comes to defensive line coaches, what is the direction USC is going to go in? Because we just don't know. So that's going to play a big impact, I think, on the defensive line. Anthony Lucas, four-star out of Chaparral High School in Arizona. Another guy that from you know a, a position standpoint, I think the defensive line coach would be a big deal. He's been to USC a couple times on his own dime unofficially. Really likes USC for a lot of reasons, but the football factor just wasn't there. Mikhail Williams, five-star out of uh, Columbus, Georgia, Hardaway High School, a guy that's really a sort of game-changer type of franchise guy that was committed to USC for a long time, ended up decommitting after Clay Helton was fired and commits to Georgia. Loves USC, loves everything about USC. The fact that he's committed to Georgia, though, and Georgia's obviously rolling, he's going to be tough to get back. I hear optimism still that he they're going to be able to get him on campus December 10th for another official visit, but, you know, the defensive scheme and everything going on, there's there's a lot there that they're going to have to sell, and there's a lot of ground to make up. Uh, certainly, he likes USC. His half-brother, uh, Michael Trigg, is on the roster, and Michael Trigg has to be happy. A lot of people talking about, well, Michael Trigg might transfer. I mean, I think with this office, I don't know any of those offensive players really – on their own volition, really want to transfer. I think that, you know, if you look at that offense and really the balance of it, you know, not just the the passing game, but, you know, OU was a good running team this past year. I mean, they ran the ball a lot. And Urban Meyer sort of pointed, pointed something out um, last year when he was still at Fox. They kind of broke down Lincoln Riley's system, and he was very uh, quick to say, you know, this is not an air raid, what they're doing. This is a spread offense. And, and talking about the difference between how you have players in the box and how you block those players in the box, whereas Air Raid, you basically don't care about who's in the box. You're just you know, spreading it out and using the field to your advantage. So I think the fact that they run the ball as much as they do and there's balance there and they have some good tight end play, I think all those offensive players uh, in the locker room for USC are, are going to have to look at that and look at the opportunity that they're going to have to play in a really prolific offense. Um, talking about guys – that are committed to Oklahoma still. Kobe McKenzie, who's a you know, 6'2", 240-pound linebacker out of Texas, out of Lubbock, a guy that was committed to Oklahoma, decommit to, from Oklahoma just recently. We don't know what's going to happen with the Oklahoma linebacker coach, Brian Odom. He is a Washington State guy, 
and he has a connection with Alex Grinch. So there's a possibility that he could come to USC. I've heard mixed things. I heard originally, sounds like he's coming to USC with the rest of the staff, and then I heard, no, he's, you know, an Oklahoma guy and maybe wants to stick around. Obviously, who Oklahoma brings in as a head coach is going to be a big question. There was a lot of talk early on about Brett Venables coming in. That seems to have faded. That seems to have fallen apart. And so we're going to have to watch that, Brent Venables. That's an interesting name. Just keep that, keep that in mind. Um, so we're going to see what happens with the linebacker position at Oklahoma and the linebacker position at USC. His dad evidently had posted on one of the Sooner boards and said that he's not going to Texas. Texas recently offered. There was a lot of rumors. I heard them as well that sounded like Texas might be in the lead for him. Uh, but he said that's not necessarily true and that he was going to look at USC. So we'll see if that ends up happening. But Kobe McKenzie would be a, a, a great uh, addition to, for the USC football class. Um, David Bailey has to be probably one of the top names on the defensive side of the ball that USC has to make a run on. It's really USC, Stanford. USC was in the lead for a while, and then he went to the Stanford game, and Stanford blows out USC. He likes Stanford. Wow, amazing. How does that happen? Well, you could guess. But now you've got the potential with a better football staff and the potential of winning, which, you know, you're at modern-day high school. You're a guy that, that you're just used to winning your games. You're not used to the stuff that was going on at USC this season or really the past few seasons where you're just dropping games and getting blown out and not being competitive against the better teams on your schedule. Now that's not so much of a concern. So I think USC has a much better shot at David Bailey. They have to try to close with him. And certainly, you know, when you're talking about cornerback, that's a position we're going to have to see what happens with Dante Williams. You know, USC's trying to make, uh, 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 trying to get back in it with Damani Jackson. Damani just put out that he's down to Alabama and USC. I still think Alabama's in the lead, but I think there's a lot of influences there that are trying to keep him home to USC. What happens with Dante Williams will impact his recruitment. I would have said a few weeks ago if Dante Williams is not retained or decides not to stay at USC, then Damani Jackson is gone. He's gone. He's going to Alabama for sure. Now I'm not so sure. You know, now I think there's, there's potential. I think he wants to listen to the OU staff, and he wants to hear about the defense, and he wants to see you know, what they can do for him player development-wise. I think that's the biggest question for him. That's going to keep him home or he's going to go to Alabama because he feels like he could play for Nick Saban, Nick Saban, defensive back coach. I'm guaranteed that I'm going to play probably in the college football playoff the next few years. And I'm going to have a shot to go to the NFL. And that's that, that's what the Alabama decision really comes out to be. So USC is battling that again. It's the factor of football that comes into play here. Gentry Williams committed to Oklahoma, a guy that again, Dante Williams was very involved with USC had a good shot with that really turned when Lincoln Riley started to get involved personally in his recruitment. Clay Helton and the coaching staff, they did a great job, like sort of as a staff to recruit Gentry Williams over the spring into the summer. But then Lincoln Riley sort of got wind, you know, we're behind on this guy. This is a local Tulsa guy, five-star athlete. We need to pick this up. He got personally involved, and that's when you saw the tide turn on his recruitment, and he ends up committing to OU. OU still has him committed. We're going to see what happens with the defense. It's obviously still a kid that he's committed to Oklahoma and he's local, and that still plays a factor. And the fact that, you know, really Dante Williams is the reason he was looking at USC and, and, and was favoring USC even at one point 
if Dante Williams is not there, we're going to have to see how that plays. I, I could see him staying put at Oklahoma with the way things might shake out potentially. And obviously at safety, we talked about Zion Branch. Um, Kamari Wilson, uh, one of the top safeties from IMG in the nation, USC secured an official visit with him December 10th a few weeks ago. Now, that was the Dante Williams staff, but he has potential to come in, probably a long shot for USC, but still a guy that USC may be able to get on campus and the new coaching staff may be able to get in his ear. That was quite the mouthful, Gerard. You just rattled those names off like nothing. It was, but you know what? We weren't going to get any smooth transitions from player to player or position to position, so I said, you know what? I'm just going in. I love it. That's good. So, I mean, obviously a lot of potential, class of 2022. The USA started with some guys in the class of 2022. There's been, I believe, three. Well, there's been some bigger decommitments, like you mentioned, like Damani Jackson and stuff before. Um, Devin Brown, but like, uh, there's some recent ones since uh, Lincoln Riley took over. I think there's only five players left. In the 2022 recruiting class, and like I mentioned, ranked 91st uh, in the country right now, that'll change. But um, what do you make overall of just the the decommitments? Is this really just Lincoln Riley coming in saying, all right, we're going to start from scratch and uh, we're, we're going to build this up. We might keep some of you, but we might we probably won't, and we're going to find our own guys. Not a lot of confidence in um, the evaluations of the former staff, I have to say, because to come in and sort of wipe the slate clean like that is is interesting. Um, obviously, they're still evaluating some players. You know, you've got Jaden Gould, the four-star uh, cornerback out of New Jersey, who uh, has had some injuries, and there's some question marks there, but um, they're going to evaluate him. I've heard... You know, he might not be a guy that's in the class, but it's not necessarily an official thing yet, so we're going to see, you know, how that kind of goes. Um, they did have Kevin Green, uh, Effie Prysock, and Kaleeb Douglas all decommit this week. And out of that group, the only guy that really kind of, I don't want to surprises me because he's very close to Dante Williams. Dante Williams coached his older brother, Mikhail Wright, at Oregon. But Kevin Green, I think, is a good football player. He's not a big guy, and he's not super fast. He's not a clock guy for how big he is. But he's one of those players sort of like a Max Williams that, you know, is just a really good football player and a guy that was very productive at Alamany and I think a guy that's an asset to your football program. Um, he may not be superstar, you know, OPAC 12, All-American, but – just has a lot of dog in him, and you want good football players on your football team. And I think that um, being that the numbers game, even if you look at USC and you say, okay, they get every guy they want, I mean, you're still with the available options that are somewhat realistic. You're talking about like 17 guys at the max, 16 guys at the max. You're probably not going to get all those guys either. So from a high school standpoint, it's going to be a small number, even though they could take many more numbers. So that's when we talk about the transfer portal being a supplement to that. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma has all these decommitments and has all these guys transferring out. And just in addition to all the transfers that are going to be there anyways, and we're probably going to see more and more transfers over time before we see less transfers. I think you heard Lincoln Riley talk about it in his press conference about roster turnover. I mean, I, I don't recall ever seeing or hearing a head coach in his introductory speech mention that so many times. 
and sort of imply like we're going to get this roster right. You know, and we're we're going to have uh, to 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 work with some things, and we're going to have to do some things. And he didn't come out and say, "Hey, we're going to weed a bunch of players out." But you got the sense, like, yeah, there's going to be uh, a, some roster turnover here, and we're going to uh, evaluate these guys really hard. And we're going to see who wants to be here and who doesn't want to be here. And so even with the recruiting class, you've seen that type of mentality. It's not, hey, look it, I've got a bunch of numbers. You know, we're going to have a lot of overhead to 85. Let's just go ahead and keep who we can keep and then just build on top of it. I mean, they've gone to the point of like, okay, we're going to get back to like, we don't have any commitments. And then we're going to look forward to who we can add in. And so I don't know if you know, the whole entire class will be erased, if you will. Um, I think there's some guys that you could definitely keep that are still going to be productive players that can contribute. Uh, we heard uh, that they are in town. Uh, Alex Grinch specifically is in town uh, to uh, visit uh, Fabian Ross. So that's something, again, it's one of those things like, you know, when they're going out of town and they're going out of the state to visit some of these players, it shows that they have some legitimate interest and they are looking at them and there's definitely the potential that they are retaining the class. But um, at this point, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it seems like they want to kind of start from square one and just build up from that instead of just, okay, we're going to just keep guys just for numbers sake and just build on top of that. All right. Um, let's see. Why don't we go to the official visit weekend? That will be December 10th. I don't know if we know, uh, USC's going this weekend to play Cal. I'm actually going to Vegas on Friday. I'm going to go check out the Utah, uh, Oregon game. And I wanted to see Allegiant stadium, but we got, um, Keeley shotgun and Chris Trevino will actually be in Berkeley for USC's game against Cal. Yes, it doesn't matter. Both teams are not going to make a bowl game and all that kind of stuff, but we did get to see Lincoln Riley at practice this week. So he's checking out the team. Uh, I don't know if he'll be up in Berkeley or if he'll be, on campus uh, hosting recruits, but the potential for the team being out of town, but maybe the the new head coach on campus ho- hosting visitors is kind of intriguing, but either way, we know the next weekend, December 10th is going to be a huge one. Um, any kind of big names or any, any thoughts on USC hosting one and potentially two official visit weekends? Yeah. Well, with December 10th, we already talked a little bit about, uh, the potential of having some of those guys that had already officially visited USC back on campus, which is legal. Uh, when you have a head coaching change, you actually get a second official visit as a recruit if you have not used your five allotted official visits. So if you have an official visit you can take, you can take it to a school that uh, you've already been to. So that's really what we're looking at uh, in addition to potentially some of these guys uh, that were committed to OU that have not been to USC. Uh, they may bring them in that weekend. Um, so, you know, looking at the list of guys that have already visited USC that could vi- visit USC again, uh, Nicholas Anderson, the wide receiver out of Katy, Texas, we talked about. He was committed to Oregon, uh, visited USC in June and committed to Oregon and then decommit from Oregon, took an official visit to Oklahoma, commit to Oklahoma. Uh, Devin Campbell, Talked about him, Devon Campbell, excuse me. He's a guy that has already officially visited USC and unofficially visited USC. I think they're going to get him back on campus for another official visit. They're working to get Mikel Williams on campus for an official visit December 10th. He did say that he was going to take that official visit before he committed to Georgia. Georgia may not want him to take that official visit, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. 
Um, Earl Little is a guy that could potentially maybe officially visit USC again, uh, the four-star cornerback out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He visited USC uh, June 11th and really liked USC. It's kind of Alabama and everybody else for him, though, so I don't know if USC is kind of spinning their wheels. Uh, Christian Miller, a guy that you know a lot of people thought was going to commit to USC over the summer. He sort of waited and waited and waited, and then you know Clay Helton gets fired, and I think even before that point, he was already on the outs with USC. And I, and I felt like for a while Georgia was really looking for him, and if Georgia came in, Georgia would be tough to beat. Right now he's down to Ohio State and Georgia, but USC would work to try to get him back on campus. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think December 10th is obviously that day where they're going to try to get him back on campus. Gentry Williams talked about him. I think that's another December 10th guy. If they can get him on campus, um, that's going to be you know a question. Uh, Zion Branch already made that official visit and will be back December 10th. That's been confirmed, uh, along with Kamari Wilson, who's never been to USC before, but he made that uh, visit date, um, I want to say October, and that was uh, Dante Williams who sort of spearheaded that, so we'll see if the OU staff is able to pick up on that. Uh, Relique Brown, he may be on campus this weekend. Uh, the modern-day kids are going to have to take, if they take an official visit this weekend, because they're going to be playing uh, in the state championship game uh, the next week. So that December 11th is actually the state championship, and they're going to play Sarah San Mateo. So those guys, if they're going to be on campus, it's going to have to be uh, this week. So that's David Bailey, Malik Brown, C.J. Williams, etc. It may end up just being an unofficial visit. We'll kind of see how that shakes out. Uh, Damani Jackson, we talked about again, another modern day guy. Um, he's not playing because of injury. So that might be a little different, but I have a feeling if he's going to be taking another official visit, it's probably going to be maybe this weekend. It's still kind of up in the air in terms of what's going to actually happen this weekend. Um, the one guy that had been scheduled for December 10th, a while ago was Tyler Knack, uh, out of Salt Lake city an offensive tackle. Now, whether he still has a scholarship offer from USC, whether USC recruiting, that remains to be seen. Um, that's one of those players that was a guy that was offered later in the process by Dante Williams' staff, and we just don't know evaluation-wise how the Oklahoma staff is going to feel about that. So that's still up in the air, um, but that's a guy that they could probably try to bring in uh, once again. And we talked about the offensive lineman, Josh Connerly. He hasn't taken an official visit yet, but I'm almost certain he'll be on campus for that uh, December 10th um, official visit weekend. He's actually been on campus four times in the last six months unofficially. So that's wild. I mean, again, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of interest in USC that have been to USC unofficially, and clearly there's aspects of the university that they really, really like, but you just didn't picture them picking USC with the way the football program was. And now, you know, that at least on paper looks like it's turning the corner. The um, recruiting classes are obviously going to be important. I mean, it looks like from what you were saying, Malachi Nelson class of 2023 expects some big things out of something like that back to the old ways of USC recruiting and we'll see what he's able to do these two weeks building the class of 2022. Uh, like I said, it's number 91 in the country right now. So how high can it rise? Can it get to a top 10 class? Can it be top 20? I mean, Whatever. that would that would be a miracle run to get to top 10. I mean, top 10, you're talking about, you know, 270, 273, and they could do it with 15 commits. Now, you know, there's going to be other classes that rise up that get more commitments, 
But yeah, they could probably be in that 275 range, and that would be for sure top 10, for sure, and, and getting closer to maybe even top five. And you could do it. I mean, you can put together a class on paper. Just go to our class calculator on the site. If you go to recruiting and you bring down that recruiting menu and you'll see on the class calculator, you can use the class calculator and just add up who would be committed in the class and what that rating would be. And, yeah, you don't have to have anywhere near a full class to be able to still have a very high ranking with the players that are available. Again, it's one of those things where expectations, do you expect a top 10 class? I mean, I wouldn't expect a top 10 class, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me either. It just depended on, I think, mostly defensive side of the ball and and how do they close with those offensive linemen. Because I think the skilled players on the offensive side of the ball, Lincoln Riley has been very good at recruiting those. And now you've got the USC brand behind you. Uh, some of these guys are local. It makes it even easier. It's just a matter of how are you closing with those defensive players. OU, not necessarily known for playing great defense. I, I actually think... Oklahoma played defensive well in some of the bigger games that they played this season. I mean, you watch them play against Oklahoma State. They played pretty good defensively against Oklahoma State. They played pretty good defensively against Iowa. But in terms of, like, traditionally, everybody thinks about Oklahoma and their offense and Lincoln Riley. So they got a little more selling that they have to do on the defensive side of the ball. And also, when you don't have those coaches in place on the defensive side of the ball, the position coaches, it makes it harder also because you want to have that coach that can sit across from a player and say, look, this is what I've done for XYZ players. These are the guys in the NFL draft. This is how we've developed them. Here's our scheme. This is how you fit in. You're going to be great in this scheme. And if you don't have that, it makes it a lot tougher to be able to recruit those players. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll finish up some uh, transfer porthole talk. Back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here talking with Gerard Martinez, USCfootball.com, national recruiting analyst. And uh, there's definitely some upside with this class of 2022. But what I was going to get to before we went to break, Gerard, is about the uh, transfer portal, or like Gerard likes to say, the porthole. And if USC gets 15 guys, it ends up being a top 10 class. That's great, but there's more spots. And whenever you see a coaching change Nowadays, uh, I think the transfer portal is going to be a big aspect of it. There's going to be clean, a cleaning of the cleansing of the roster, I guess you could say. There's some guys going to get cleaned out. Some guys are just going to want to leave that the coaches would love to stay. 
and they're like, this isn't for me. I'm going to go somewhere else. And there's guys that would probably want to stay that the coaches are like, this isn't going to work. You got to go. And so there'll be reasons for players to leave, but there's also be players that will be attracted into the program. Where, where are you looking for USC to uh, inspect the inner workings in the corners of the, of the transfer porthole and uh, trying to bring some more talent into the program? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, an absolute ton of players that are probably going to be in the transfer porthole with all these crazy coaching changes. And it's going to make the NCAA sort of think twice about the head coaches and whole coaching staffs moving from school to school and seeing so many players potentially move with them. I mean, we could see 20 guys come into USC that are transfers. Like, I, I, I would not be shocked at 15 to 20 guys wow. transferring in to USC and maybe even more transferring out. And we're going to see that a lot with, you know, Notre Dame and LSU and these schools. You're seeing schematic changes. You're seeing, you know, changes in personalities. Um, you know, is Brian Kelly fit as a head coach at LSU? You know, are those players on board with his style and his approach to coaching? Uh, you know, have offensive coaches you have defensive coaches. You have defensive-minded coaches, offensive-minded coaches. And certainly, you know, with OU, we're seeing that on the offensive side of the ball, uh, a lot of transfers already, guys in the porthole. And it doesn't mean all those guys are going to leave, but it means that they're seriously thinking about it. So, I mean, Theo Weiss, uh, Jenon Hazelwood, Austin Stogner, these are guys that are big-time guys coming out of high school. I mean, Weiss and Hazelwood were both five-star receivers coming out of high school. Stogner was a four-star uh, NBC All-American tight end. Those guys have already jumped in the porthole. So you have to think, I mean, does it mean that they're necessarily on their way to USC? I can't say that, but obviously they feel like that system that they played in in Oklahoma, that's no longer going to be the system, and they have to look at their options, and USC is obviously going to be a very good option for them. Caleb Williams, we've heard a lot about him potentially jumping in the porthole and going to USC. Why? Because he wants to play with Riley. Now, the interesting dynamic there is what happens with Jackson Dart and Miller Moss when you've got a kid that comes in that's a freshman, just like you are, and he's already played in that system, and he obviously already has a relationship with the head coach. I would think at that point, Miller Moss and Jackson Dart are probably going to enter the porthole themselves. I don't want to say that for a fact, but you would think in this day and age that if Caleb Williams transferred into USC, uh, there's just that feeling like there's not going to be a true quarterback competition. And then now you have two guys that have left and you're down two quarterbacks. So you have to make up those numbers. Are you bringing in another quarterback in the transfer portal? That's probably the issue with bringing in the Caleb Williams is that he's kind of already like the guy, like he's already looked at by everyone around him. He's going to be the starter. So Keith Slovis leaves. Now you've got two guys in the porthole. I mean, that's just going to be tough. So, really complicated you know this whole porthole thing and i think certainly this is going to be the year where we really see the the one-time waiver and the porthole really show itself for its its warts and for its upside and people are going to come away from this year thinking okay we got to change this or okay it really worked out it actually it actually uh it ended up being good for the players and it wasn't so disruptive 
to the programs and to the fan bases and everybody else that's involved that it became a detriment. One, uh, unless you have anything else, I have one last thing I want to talk about because there is, there's a, a mass amount of uh, turnover on these rosters. And I think when the NCAA originally came out with the early signing period, they thought a few people would sign. It'd be great for, you know, if you don't want to get calls from coaches throughout the, you know, that off season, you can just sign early. Well, it ends up being the main signing period. And now it's changed the silly season with the, the coaching changes. People are doing firing coaches faster, mass turnover, things happening super fast. You know, Brian Kelly walking away from a team that's still in the hunt for the college football playoff to go to LSU. I don't think the early signing period is helping well-intentioned. I don't think it's helping the student athletes at all. And I think it's, you know, this, all this coaching change, all these players having to switch schools. Um, I don't like it. And I wanted, I heard um, Stuart Mandel on the audible talk about it. He doesn't like it either. He thinks that the NCAA might make a change. I want to get your thoughts on that. And if you think they'll go to a, you know, a few people sign before the season and then everyone else waits till February sort of model again. I don't know. What, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I agree. I, 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 we've talked about this plenty of times and in terms of the early signing period, I think that if you, you want the signing period, you have a real early signing period and you have it before September, you know, or September 1st, where the kids that are legitimately, they've taken their official visits during the summer they they're done with recruiting. They really don't want, they really honestly don't want to have to deal with it during their senior seasons. They commit then and that's it. And they're done. And then the rest of the kids, they want to take their official visits. They want to go to games. It's not about, let me get my foot in the door with a commitment early in the season, just in case I get hurt type of thing. That, that that's a, that's a different deal. The guys that really know the schools they want to go to, those guys should be able to sign in September, early September, late August and know exactly where they want to go and then everybody else you just wait till february man wait till february give yourself some gap here with these coaching changes give the schools some breathing room with their coaching changes i mean this is all ridiculous like i mean it's right at the holidays kids got finals you're trying to whole game it's just it's it's just chaos right now and it's literally we're talking about all compressed into a two-week period like it's not just chaos but it's like it's a two-week period and it's it's just it's crazy so i i've never liked it i I was never a fan of it i I feel like if you want an early signing period make it a true early signing period and then let everybody else go into february it's it's you know after holidays you get your january you get those three weeks and you know it, it everybody gets to basically get some breathing room until you get to february nothing's happening in february you know, nothing's really going on in February where you cannot focus those last three weeks of January on your recruitment. And the, the co- coaches are coming away from bowls. They don't have to worry about it. Um, they're looking more towards spring ball at that point. I think it absolutely makes not a lot of sense. I, I don't say zero sense, but it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to have it as they do right now. But, you know, it is the NCAA, and the NCAA doesn't always make sense with that they do. They certainly don't. Uh, all right, Gerard. Well, great stuff. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? I got to get running here in a minute, but uh, you know, I wanted to get get your thoughts on all this recruiting stuff because there's so much going on. But any any final thoughts? I'm sure I'll be adding lots of stuff on the Peristyle every minute of the day. My phone is about to die here, so that tells you how much I've been on the phone today. Uh, but um, no, I mean, it's uh, obviously exciting time. 
Uh, we're going to see what happens with the 2022 class if uh, they're able to 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 hit that that home run or or just be able to to get a respectable class. I mean, if they're able to get into that 30, 20 range, that's I mean still a minor miracle being able to get. Uh, some players in this class that are going to make a difference for next year. Because a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking this was going to be a balk. This is going to be a complete, we're not going to have anybody in this class that's going to be an impact player, and we're just going to try to ground up some numbers. And again, still even looking towards the portal, but now it's, you know, you can supplement those transfers with some players out of high school that are going to be difference makers. I mean, a guy like Relique Brown, who could come in and start right away for USC. I mean, he could at least compete for a starting job in an offense that's going to be very dynamic. And, you know, USC is going to need those players, obviously. So uh, it's it's exciting, you know, to be a Trojan fan. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the scheme and, you know, how it might change. And there's a whole lot of stuff to process in terms of, you know, what Lincoln Riley and his staff actually bring to the table as football coaches on the field right now, we're really into, you know, the, the management of the program, you know, whether it be personnel or philosophy, uh, all of that stuff is being worked out right now. Um, until we get into spring ball, we're really not going to see the actual product of, you know, what Lincoln Riley actually wants to do with the football team and sort of how, you know, the rubber meets the road, if you will, of the, the scheme and, and, and making this team again, a national championship competitor. All right. Well, good stuff from Gerard Martinez. We'll let him go before his phone dies. Check him out on the P. If you're not a member, a buck for the first month. Come on, just get in there and do it, especially these next two weeks. It's going to be fireworks. It's going to be insane. Greg Biggins, Blair Angulo, Brandon Huffman, all of our staff posting tons of recruiting information going up on the site. Greg's been killing it uh, with the stuff he's been putting up there. So Greg's been killing it. And I mean, you know, those guys give a huge thank you to them. Steve Wolfong. Um, just the national guys that, you know, they, they're in contact with these kids and they have relationships with these kids because, you know, they're regional analysts. And regardless of whether they come into USC or Oklahoma or Ohio State, you know, you still keep up with those kids. We're even in a position where uh, we don't talk to these kids after they commit to another school. It just, you know, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to call a kid and, and keep up with the kid, you know, every other couple of weeks that's committed to Ohio State or that's committed to Oklahoma or everywhere else. So, you know, they've been fantastic and great doing a, a crazy great job, you know, keeping up with uh, specifically, you know, some of these modern day kids where, you know, USC was on the outs with, uh, you know, most of them yeah. <laughs> in the recruiting process at this point. And now, you know, they have a, a, a potential to get all of them. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, a complete 180 of things. Um, there were very few coaches. You know, we talked about Urban Meyer. We talked about, you know, maybe Chris Peterson could do something like that. Maybe a James Franklin could do something like that. But obviously, Lincoln Riley was at the top of the list that we just never really considered USC having a shot at. And that's something, the backstory of all this, we obviously have to get to in later podcasts. But right here, right now, we're looking at uh, potentially USC um, making a, a big move in recruiting. And, and quite frankly, it would be a historic move because I don't think any school could capably do what USC could do with such little time in the recruiting process. I mean, it almost feels like they want to get the ranking as low as possible so they could turn around and sell it on signing the HAC. Look at <laughs> yeah. We were 105 in the nation, <laughs> and look where we are now. Um, so we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's Jerome Martinez. Follow him on Twitter at GMart Live. I'm Ryan Abraham. And, and, and listen, and, and, and to say, we've glossed over a lot of stuff here. Like, these are sort of the crypt notes of the recruiting class. Yes. You get on the pair style – 
you get in the weeds with us. You really learn about recruiting and learn about the philosophies and all the crazy detail that goes in. So, you know, we're just throwing a blitz at you of information of names and potentials and stars. But, yeah, you become a subscriber and you come to uscfootball.com, become a part of the Peristyle community, and you're going to learn about the recruiting process and learn all the crazy gears and all the things that go on behind the scenes with this stuff. 100%. All right. We'll sign off. Thanks, Gerard. Thanks, everyone else, for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.